Welcome to The Investigation. I'm Chris Flasto, Senior Executive Producer for ABC News. Joining me today is Senior Editorial Producer John Santucci, who's been covering the Trump administration since the very beginning. And after a brief hiatus this summer after the Mueller report was released, and boy, we are coming back with a vengeance. The story that has broken in the last week has taken Washington by storm. When there were calls for impeachment, Months ago in the Mueller report that seemed to die on the vine, finally Nancy Pelosi this week has come forward and opened up an impeachment inquiry into the president for a phone call he made with the Ukrainian president back in July. And we have in the studio with us Terry Moran, senior national correspondent with ABC News, and Mary Bruce, our senior congressional correspondent, joining us from Capitol Hill. And Mary, you've covered Nancy Pelosi, and so have I for a long period of time. And Nancy Pelosi, who has been so reluctant to get into this impeachment game, got in the game yesterday. Let's listen to what she had to say. The actions taken to date by the president have seriously violated the Constitution, especially when the president says... Article 2 says I can do whatever I want. For the past several months, we have been investigating in our committees and litigating in the courts so the House can gather all the relevant facts and consider whether to exercise its full Article 1 powers, including a constitutional power of the utmost gravity, approval of articles of impeachment. And this week, the President has admitted to asking the president of Ukraine to take actions which would benefit him politically. The the actions of the Trump presidency revealed dishonorable fact of the president's betrayal of his oath of office, betrayal of our national security, and betrayal of the integrity of our elections. Therefore, today, I'm announcing the House of Representatives moving forward with an official impeachment inquiry. I'm directing our six committees to proceed with their investigations under that umbrella of impeachment inquiry. The president must be held accountable. No one is above the law. We'll get to the transcript that has been released now, but this was before the transcript was released. What drove Nancy Pelosi to that point? Yeah, it it was pretty remarkable to see this, right? Because for months she has been so hesitant to go down this path, instead urging Democrats to follow the facts. But the tipping point here for Pelosi was the fact that you now have the president coming out, talking to a foreign leader about investigating his political rival. For Nancy Pelosi, this came down to, to a national security issue. And what really kind of shifted everything up here was that we saw over the last, you know, it was 24 hours before she made this stunning about face was this huge wave of Democrats, all factions of her party, not just the progressives, but also a lot of vulnerable moderates and freshman Democrats coming out and saying enough is enough. Now is the time to impeach. So there are a couple things driving this. Right. It's not just that, that this is a national security issue. Part of it, what Emma Pelosi even said herself, is that unlike some of the previous allegations, the questions around uh, Russia collusion and obstruction of justice. Democrats feel that this issue 
is more cut and dry and that they can sell the American public on this. The, the American public can understand this in a way that maybe it was a little harder to wrap your head around some of these other incidents and issues surrounding this president. Uh, that played a role, too. And Pelosi saw, you know, throughout the day that you had, <laughs> the numbers were just rising and rising of the number of Democrats saying that, that it was time for her to go for it. And that gave her political cover and also kind of pushed her along. But we should say Nancy Pelosi is a number counter. <laughs> she knows exactly what's going on in her caucus. And she also helped orchestrate uh, the breaking of that dam in many ways, right? We know that she was in communication with, with the chairman of these key committees when they were coming out and, and, and making strong statements. She was talking with many of these vulnerable members who finally gave her that political cover to go for it. So Pelosi saw this coming, uh, but really remarkable to consider the fact, Chris, that, that a week ago, none of us could see this coming. It just happened so, so, so quickly. And, you know, the truth is it was a little bit of a risky move for her because in some ways she hadn't seen the transcript. And now we have seen the transcript. And in my personal opinion, it she she seems perfectly justified to go forward with this impeachment inquiry. But what's stunning to me, and I'll, maybe I'll ask John you first, you and I both were being told by people of the White House overnight that, that oh, they're not worried about this. The president's not worried about this. This is not going to be a big deal. When I read this, this was a big deal. Uh, You you know, I, as you know, Chris, I was running out of the White House after we got a briefing on this. I had called you and said, this is really a big deal. And then one of the sources that had been telling me just that, don't worry about this, there's nothing much there. I called that person. I said, um... Were you reading the same transcript I just read? Because this is not uh, not a big deal. This is a very big deal. Um, what's interesting to me, as I've been working the phone since this release, it seems to me that not a lot of people in the White House actually got the transcript. I think a lot of people got briefed on it, were given readouts of it, but didn't actually get to read the text. There was no rollout plan, no release. I mean, as we were reporting, they were spinning uh, their own. They were people. spinning their own people how to do this. Not even there. Not even the comm shop was down in Washington to deal with this. They're all up in New York at the UN General Assembly with Trump. So the fact of the matter is that now, I mean, the calls I've gotten are, hey, this is worse than we thought, or this is worse than we were led to believe. That's going to be a real problem. And it speaks volumes to the fact that, as Mary well knows from the Hill, they are now going to have to get a team in place that's really going to have to buckle down, deal with these six different committees that are going to be looking into impeachment. And quite frankly, as one person close to the president said to me not too long ago, it does not seem like they have the infrastructure in place to deal with that. And Terry Moran, you you know, you and I covered impeachment a long time ago, 20 years ago, and now we're back here again. What struck you out of the uh, out of the the president's phone conversation with the Ukrainian president? Ten words. Uh, I'd like you to do us a favor, though. And those, those words in response to Zelensky's request for military aid, I want you to do us a favor, though. That is uh, the, the, the center. That's the fulcrum on which this impeachment so far will turn. What did he, what did he mean by that? Then he goes on to talk about Biden and, uh, and the 2016 election. Now, Trump's defense will be that he was operating in the national interest, that going after corruption in the Ukraine is in the national interest, that in his judgment, uh, the Bidens were involved in some of that corruption. Uh, and the attack uh, on, on the country's 2016 election also came from Ukraine. So he would say he has a legitimate presidential reason to be talking to the president of Ukraine about that. Well, and here's what he said. He was explaining time and time again over the last several days that the call was perfect. Take a listen. When you see the call, when you see the readout of the call, which I assume you'll see at some point, you'll understand. That call was perfect. It couldn't have been nicer. And even the Ukrainian government put out a statement 
that that was a perfect call. There was no pressure put on them whatsoever. But there was pressure put on with respect to Joe Biden. What Joe Biden did for his son, that's something they should be looking at. Yeah, and there was pressure put on by Donald Trump to the president of Ukraine. Here's what he said on one part of the call. The president says, quote, there's a lot of talk about Biden's son, that Biden stopped the prosecution. A lot of people want to find out about that. So whatever you can do, this is Trump referring to the Ukrainian president, do with the attorney general would be great. Biden went around bragging that he stopped the prosecution. So if you can look into it, it sounds horrible to me. That is not something that anyone can spin. That is clear as day. The president brings up Biden during this phone call. It's only a five-page transcription, and there you have it by Trump. But, Terry, I would go further. I think that, for me, the most incriminating thing here is I will have Mr. Giuliani give you a call, and I'm also going to have the attorney general call, and we will get to the bottom of it. I'm sure you will figure out. I heard the prosecutor was treated badly, and he was very fair prosecutor, so good luck with everything. And this is the part for me. Your economy is going to get better and better, I predict. Isn't that a promise? It sounds like an implied promise. There's goodies coming your way if you do what I say. And the use of the Department of Justice. Once again, he'll say that he, that he wanted the Department of Justice and, and his personal lawyer to do something on behalf of the nation. But he's going to have trouble uh, making that claim, especially as additional facts come in, because the next step is witnesses. And the key witness in all of this, it seems to me, is not the whistleblower who's got secondhand information. It's John Bolton, his former national security advisor, who has firsthand information. He would have been listening in on that call. Yep. He would have helped the president pre- 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 prepare for that call. He would have talked to him afterwards. What was the president saying before that call? What was the president saying after that call? Did you get any instructions on after the uh, after the call action? And just a couple of weeks ago, John Bolton was in the room when Vice President Pence, representing President Trump, met with Zelensky, met with the president of Ukraine. What was said in that meeting? Pence is in this. Pompeo is in this. Barr is in this. Bolton is in this. Uh, In order to fairly discharge uh, its duty, Congress needs to hear from them. That'll be a major battle. But Bolton's out of the administration right right now, and he could be a very dangerous witness for the White House. Let's take a quick break, and we're going to go back to Mary Bruce on the Hill and get a temperature of what those Democrats and Republicans are thinking about this new impeachment inquiry that has started in this telephone call between President Trump and the president of Ukraine. Welcome back. I'm Chris Vlasto. I'm here with my roundtable of John Santucci, Terry Moran, and Mary Bruce. And we are talking about this new impeachment inquiry that was launched by Nancy Pelosi. And we were dissecting the call between President Trump and the president of Ukraine. Mary, what's the feel on Capitol Hill, even amongst Republicans? We know what the Democrats are thinking. Yeah, well, we've, we've, the Democrats, you know, their hair is on fire. They say that this is even worse than they, than they had anticipated. But I've been out talking to Republicans because they are now in a tricky position. And this concept of the quid pro quo has been at the heart of the Republicans' uh, defense of the president over the last few days before we saw this transcript. They insist, look, there is no quid pro quo. There's nothing to see here. There's nothing wrong, they say, with the president reaching out to, you know, a foreign leader to discuss corruption. Um, But there is this implicit (laughs) uh, reference to the military aid that we know was withheld just and halted just a week before this conversation. And so Democrats are pointing to all of these these lines in the transcript that we have now been discussing 
And they say, look, it doesn't matter if you don't see, you know, a, a cut and dry quid pro quo. That Ukraine is very well aware of the influence of the United States. And the president's message is clear when he says, you know, do me a favor. While Republicans, I, I was just talking with one top Republican senator who said, oh, that's just the way the president talks. Republicans insist this is just Democrats playing politics. They insist that they are looking for any excuse to impeach the president. There are uh, a few. Uh, Mitt Romney is basically the only one who's coming out publicly at this point and saying that this is deeply troubling. I have talked to another uh, Republican senator today who, who does not want to be named, but on background told me he found these uh, the transcript to be odd and troubling, though not impeachable. The question now is whether you're going to see more Republicans voicing some concern, joining Mitt Romney, the more we learn about well, people uh, what, like what Susan, really happened in this the call. The people like Susan Collins, who is in a tough re-election fight in in Maine she's gonna she's in a tough spot and and, and Senate Republicans are trying you know to say oh look this is this is down the road we're not going to play hypotheticals but things are moving really quickly here and, and it is possible that, that it won't be a hypothetical for much longer uh the question of what will the Senate do if they all of a sudden have to have a trial but how fast can the house go and you know people people that i've been talking to on capitol hill said we'll see if they're really serious if they don't take the break they are supposed to you know congress loves recess they, they are they are all about spending time back in the district and and they are supposed to be going on recess uh, at the end of this week and you know speaker pelosi said yesterday she told members we're going to move expeditiously but then she did not go ahead and appoint a, a special select committee which was an idea that we know was being floated around instead she said they're going to continue to to handle this through those six uh, investigations that were already ongoing. Uh, the question is how you know quickly will they move this? What does the timeline look like? What does the process look like going forward? But given the transcript today, you know, we thought there was an urgency yesterday. I think there's uh, that urgency is even heightened now. But keep in mind, if they're not canceling their recess, they only have 31 working days between now and the end of the year. If only we all had those schedules. Can you imagine? <laughs> but if they're smart, they'll do this slowly. People in the United States, most people don't have any idea where Ukraine is, much less that Joe Biden was involved in it or anything about it. They need public support. It's important to remember impeachment is a trauma for the country. Chris and I covered it. We saw it. It consumes the country. It divides the country. It's, it's, the, it's the worst thing that can happen in some ways. It, it is only done when necessary. And to do it successfully, you've got to bring the public along with you. So there has to be a... More witnesses, more facts. It can't, you can't impeach the president on this transcript. You might think you can, but you can't. You need to bolster the transcript with context, with additional eyewitness information, with whatever else you can get. The circumstantial evidence of timing, you really have to, uh, a timing of the aid de delay, you really have to develop the case in a way that brings along the American people so they're understanding why you're doing this. And the notion that every six committee, all six of those committees are going to be able to hang their Christmas tree ornament on this impeachment thing. We're going to have Stormy Daniels up there. We're going yeah. to have emoluments up there. We're going to, I think that will lose them credibility. If this is just a, a Twitter impeachment uh, or, or a partisan Democrat impeachment, it will fail, not just because they don't have the votes, because they'll lose the people. And keep well, in mind, you still have all of these different committees that want their chance in the spotlight, right? This is right. a lot of people who want to take a whack at this. Uh, and they do all want those blockbuster hearings, those chances to, 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 to question everyone. So uh, you know, while they may want to move quickly, the logistics will get in the way. You know, Terry, as you say, uh, the timeline is kind of important. I was talking to somebody who 
been in Capitol Hill a very long time, and said it's the timeline of events surrounding all this call, mm-hmm. and actually suggested that there had to be a grown-up in the room, because and John and I were talking about this before, is that after this call, what did the president do? Did he call John Bolton and say, John, get the attorney general on the phone. I want him to uh, help out this. And did John Bolton say no? I don't know if it's John Bolton or not, but someone like that, a grown-up in the room, the Don McGahn, who who said no, Mr. President, I'm not going to do that. And, you know, actually this person went further to kind of equate it to Corey Landowski. You know, that's a secret. No one would do the dirty work. So Trump had to get Corey as Rudy Giuliani, the Corey Landowski character. So there's all those things still to be questioned and raised. But I also think, though, Chris, it may also say the different characters that have entered this new act. Because think about it. To your point, Don McGahn wasn't around for this episode. John Kelly, who was often known to tell the president, no, you can't do this, is not around anymore. So the different individuals that are now there, you have a new White House counsel, Pat Cipollone. You have a new acting chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney. Did they rebuff Trump? Did they not do what he said because they thought better of it? Or they do it anyway? You already have one example of Mulvaney doing what the president said, and that is holding back the money from Ukraine. There's a lot of holes in this timeline. And I think that's going to be quite curious to see, did these people follow the example by their predecessors, listen to Trump say, yeah, sure, 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 but not actually do it because they knew better? Or did they do it? And and it goes way back this timeline. It goes well before this phone call. It's like we're looking at one scene in a movie, right? And and it's a damning scene. But we need to see what happened before and what happened after, as you said. Rudy Giuliani had been tweeting and talking about Ukraine and the Bidens for months. Uh, how much of that did he talk about with the president? Had the president talked to other people? Uh, Giuliani says it was Mike Pompeo, the secretary of state, who told him to go to Ukraine. Uh, these are all scenes in that movie that need to be developed so that people do understand what does this really mean? It looks bad. It may look worse. It may not. And I think the Congress has an obligation to develop some of that before it goes off on yeah. impeachment. And, and Mary, that- Mary, I want to ask, though, one question. What is, what is, how does this affect the presidential race in Joe Biden? I mean, it, 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 he, whether he did anything wrong or not, and we actually have no evidence that Joe Biden did anything wrong. We do have evidence that Hunter Biden's, uh, there is definitely appearance of conflict of interest uh, of him getting a job with the, the Ukrainian company, the gas company, where he didn't really have any qualifications to do it. But it's got to get some shrapnel against Joe Biden just by association. No. Well, it is tough because now Joe Biden obviously has to go back and sort of relitigate all of this and explain his position. But if you're Joe Biden's campaign, you may see that as a real opportunity because, you know, he is the early front runner, but he's also got Elizabeth Warren nipping at his heels. And now and on a very public stage, it is him versus the president. Politically, that's an opportunity for Biden's campaign. Uh, when you look at the, you know, sort of the bigger field here, the problem is that as everyone turns their focus back to Washington and Capitol Hill, it effectively puts the brakes on the campaign trail. Yeah. Um, it is very hard uh, for those candidates, especially if you're someone trying, one of the candidates trying to gain a little bit of traction as we head towards, you know, the early contests. It's really hard to, 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 to soak up much oxygen when it's all uh, being, you know, spent up here on the Hill. I, I'd say Biden definitely wants to be center stage with Trump. But on the issue of character or health care, th- there is a problem here. Yeah. What Hunter Biden did is classic D.C. sleaze. He had no business making millions of dollars on the board of a gas company in Ukraine. And the only reason he did was because his dad was vice president. And then his dad goes to Ukraine. 
you know, he probably should have seen that is a conflict of interest. His son is making money. Uh, and while this prosecutor that Biden helped get fired because the EU wanted them fired, because we were pouring money, the United States, the Obama administration did, there were legitimate reasons of state for this prosecutor who was not pursuing corruption investigations to go. And the investigation of that gas company had halted long before. That said, it stinks. It stinks for Biden. It's not a good look. But the problem, of course, is the president then trying to to, go after Biden for areas where, you know, the president has a lot of issues, too. It's not like he can go out there and criticize Joe Biden and Joe Biden's son while not also inviting a spotlight onto his own family and his own businesses. So, uh, okay, prediction from everyone in the room. Mary, first, Uh do we have an impeachment vote by the end of this calendar year? No. I do think it is very notable that despite uh, the fact that we now see this show of unity from Democrats, you see Speaker Pelosi putting all of her political might behind impeachment, she has not promised that there will be an impeachment vote before or after the end of the year. I I just think it's really hard to see this happening. Uh, given how slow this building tends to move, uh, for this to happen before the end of the year. Terry, what do you think? I agree with six committees that they each have to have their little moment in the spotlight. There's no way that they can. And it's wise for them, as I say, to publicly build the case, if it's there, in order to bring the American people along with them. But don't, but don't you run the risk, though, of what even happened with Mueller, the drip, 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 the slow we've heard this story. How many times are we going to say now the phone call, you know, it, by Christmas we're going to be tired of hearing it? Right? That's a good point. Uh, news, uh, the attention spans are limited. News cycles are rapid. And Trump will be dumping every day on this story. Uh, and he is a very good advocate for himself. So they have a challenge, but they have to get the evidence. How about you, John? Uh, it's not going to be by the end of the year. But I actually think it's going to be fun to see uh, what comes first, the Iowa caucuses or this vote. <laughs> I think that's really what we're going to have to figure out. But to Mary's point. Well, we could have a split screen. We could have yeah, a hearing of people could, voting absolutely. and an impeachment vote. Absolutely. And whether it's the Iowa could, caucuses, New Hampshire primaries, we end up. But I, I, I just think just to emphasize here. That for everyone that thinks that there's one united front here on Capitol Hill that's going to deal with this, I just think the fighting between these committees, I mean, forget Schiff and Nadler. You've got Maxine Waters in this. You've got Ways and Means jumping in there, Richard Neal. I mean, there's going to be a real battle as to who gets to take what piece of this as we start to learn more about what we need to actually investigate. Well, I think that's and that's why we have restarted this podcast because we think this investigation will continue for at least the next few months. I want to thank all my guests for joining us here today, and we'll be back for another episode of The Investigation.